A man stands on a windswept island, staring up at the sky. He is powerfully built and enormously tall, and his fine clothes whip about him in the May squalls. He ignores the chop of the Neva River that surrounds him, the scrub and greenery of a sprawling, literal marshland. His rifle dangling from his hand, he gazes up in awe. Overhead, a great eagle soars. Transfixed, Peter the Great, all-powerful ruler of Russia, watches the bird for a long time. It watches him back. At last, the man turns abruptly and plunges his bayonet into the wet earth. He forces the blade through the dirt and roots, hacking out first one, then two long strips of turf. He peels them from the ground and drags them, filthying himself, to just below where the eagle hovers. There he lays the strips down, cruciform. Let there be a city here, he bellows. Thus, in 1703, on Zayachi Island, in the Gulf of Finland, in land wrestled from the Swedish Empire in the Great Northern War, the Tsar ordains the creation of a great city named for his own patron saint, St. Petersburg. This never happened. Peter was not there. The story is a tenacious myth of what Dostoevsky called the most abstract and premeditated city in the whole world. But although Peter is not present on that founding day, St. Petersburg goes on to be built according to his dream, against odds and sense, in a mosquito-ridden Baltic estuary floodplain, assaulted by fierce winds and punishing winters. First, the Tsar directs the building of the Peter and Paul Fortress, a sprawling star-shaped complex to fill that little island, ready for a Swedish counterattack that never comes. And then, around its walls, Peter orders a great port raised, in accord with the latest designs. This will be his window to Europe. He is a visionary of a brutal kind. He is a moderniser, contemptuous of Russia's churchy, Slavic backwardness. The ancient city of Moscow is picturesque, unplanned, a tangle of quasi-Byzantine streets. Peter directs that his new city be plotted by rational design, in straight lines and elegant curves of epic scale, its vistas wide, canals crisscrossing its avenues, its many palaces grand and palladian, its restrained baroque a determined break from traditions and onion domes. On this new ground, Peter intends to construct a new Russia. He hires foreign architects, dictates that European fashions be worn, insists on building in stone. He populates his city by fiat, ordering merchants and nobles to relocate to the nascent metropolis. In the early years, wolves prowl the unfinished streets at night. It is forced labour that lays those streets down, that drains the wetlands and raises columns in the quag. Tens of thousands of conscript serfs and convicts forced under guard to struggle across the vastness of Peter's lands. They come and dig foundations in the muck and die in vast numbers. One hundred thousand corpses lie beneath the city. St. Petersburg will be known as the city built on bones. In 1712, in a decisive move against a Muscovite past he scorns, Tsar Peter makes St. Petersburg Russia's capital. For the next two centuries and more, it is here that politics will move most quickly. Moscow and Riga and Ekaterinburg and all the countless other towns and cities and all the sprawling regions of the empire are vital. Their stories cannot be neglected. But St. Petersburg will be the crucible of the revolutions. The story of 1917, born out of a long prehistory, is above all the story of its streets. Russia 
A confluence of European and easterly Slavic traditions is long gestated among debris. According to a key protagonist of 1917, Leon Trotsky, it is thrown up by the Western barbarians settled in the ruins of Roman culture. For centuries, a succession of kings, czars, trade and war with nomads of the eastern steppes, with the Tatars, with Byzantium. In the 16th century, Tsar Ivan IV, whom history calls the Terrible, slaughters his way into territories east and north until he becomes Tsar of all Russias, head of a colossal and multifarious empire. He consolidates the Muscovite state under ferocious autocracy. That ferocity notwithstanding, rebellions erupt, as they always do. Some, like the Pugachev uprising of Cossack peasants in the 18th century, are challenges from below, bloody insurgencies, bloodily subdued. After Ivan come motley others.